Welcome to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. With me, as always, is my good friend, Jim Stam, fresh off Thanksgiving, a little bit rest. How are we doing, brother? I'm good, man. How are you? I, I feel, I feel uh, like you said, rested, rejuvenated, and um, we got a little break here before Christmas. So, Yeah, I had a real nice break. Um, I actually took, I only, I only ended up taking one day off work. And somehow I didn't work for like five days because they gave us like a couple of days and there was the weekend there. And yeah, so pretty sweet, man. I, I just did nothing. We finished decorating the house up. And, sometimes, uh, sometimes nothing is, is good, man. Like it's, it's like we, we, we didn't go out for about two, three straight days. We just hunkered down and, and had the fireplace on. So, yeah, I mean, I went down to, um, Market Square and checked out everything down there. Um, I wish it was different, like a little different, man. Like the shops are all exactly the same. Um, Gets a little redundant. Yeah, but- even the product is very, very much the same. Plus, we went to Penn's Colony this year. So you, you, you go down to Market Square after that. It's all the same products. Yeah. I mean, like it's it's a lot of the same vendors you know, that just, they kind of travel around doing the circuit and everything. Nothing against them. They all do really nice things. We buy something, but it's, I just looking for something different at this point, you know, like, I know I and like, see something new. Right. And when we do go down there and we try to, is like, I always feel, um, somewhat of an obligation, small businesses. So we try to buy some things, Sure, yeah. but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, the, you know, you, if you keep going, it kind of does feel the same every time, but, Eh, it's still yeah. okay. And you got a little one, so at least you got like a reason to, you know, still shepherd him around and he's not remembering everything. And right. Like this year, like, you know, we're big kids. So we <laughs> wanted to go look at the Santa Clauses. You know how they have the Santa Clauses from around the world down there. And, mm-hmm. Well, now they got them split up between two buildings. We're down there at like 630 or something. There's one of two of them in this one building. They let you go in and look at them. All the rest of them are across the street. We walk across the street. They go, oh, this closed at six. We're like, oh, we just got down here. It just got dark. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I'm not yeah. coming down here to look at Santa at like, you know, four in the afternoon. I want to, you know, I want to hang out. So, yeah, I don't know. It just seems like they need to do a little bit of a change up. And then I, the other thing I got to say, just because this, uh, I, I know that we have an audience wider than Pittsburgh, but yeah, you go down to Market Square. Cars should not be driving around Market Square during something like that. Just leave the cars out of it for a minute. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, you can't even find parking down there anyway. So it's like you might as well just block it off. I agree, man. Like I think I think and uh, they should just completely get that to the point where it's all pedestrian. And uh, that way you don't have to get ran over while you're down there either. So, yeah, it just seems like it would make sense. So, Jim. Because we had a fun episode last week, you know, we were just talking about ham and turkey, and we had we had James and Yark on with us just BSing about a bunch of baseball topics. Mm-hmm. We completely just blasted right through your favorite player getting traded to Cincinnati. So we should probably talk about that. 
And the fact that we were able to just skip it and not even think about talking about it last week. And I mean to say, like, we didn't even bring it up as a brainstorming idea for the show. No. Um, probably says about all we need to say about it. Um, what did you think? Kevin Newman goes to the Cincinnati Reds, a di- division rival. I'm certainly not worried about him killing us. Um, for right-handed pitcher, I'm going to try to pronounce it. I think it's Dari Moretta. I mean, I've heard some people say his, his peripherals make it look like he could be good. I, you know, his his regular numbers look like garbage. So Right. We'll see. I, it's a relief pitcher. I'm not going to get too excited one way or another. What did you think? <clears throat> I, I thought people were a little um, harsh about the return. Um, I'm not so. I'm not. I'm not sure what they were expecting to get for Kevin Newman, and and I'm really not trying to dog on Kevin Newman when I say that. But I mean, it's just the reality is is. Um, I don't think you're going to get anything better than maybe a relief pitcher that you kind of ID'd that you like, maybe like you said, with his peripherals. Yeah. And then they added him to the mix. But uh, um, look, everyone everyone knows Kevin Newman's um, positives and his negatives. And um, I just took it like I, I like the fact that maybe clearing some confusion up out of the mix and and those are guys that, that we can now that are on our roster or will be on the roster and they don't and and veterans like him aren't going to take away innings or bats for those guys i mean i could make a case for why you keep a guy like that you know just just to ride the pine but it's just as easy to move on from him i i don't care at all um i hope the relief pitcher works out if he does great, then I, you know it's a it's a plus move. Sure. Still, to be trading a number one pick, you know, for what amounts to a flyer on a relief pitcher. Overall, you have to look at Kevin Newman as a a failed draft pick. Really, I mean, he may end up being a successful major league baseball player, but that's not a number one pick. Yeah, when you start talking first round picks, um, it's definitely underwhelming. Um, That's the story of the Pittsburgh Pirates, though. You know, we we, boy. we we talk about money a lot, and boy, it has played a role. But the draft picks have been abysmal. <laughs> I mean, you have—I'm not going to name them all, but like you know, you have yeah, guys like don't. him and, and Tucker and. And even, you know, at this point, you have to start being concerned about Swaggerty. And and I don't even I'm not even sitting here telling you he's done anything wrong. It's just it it's been too long. I mean, at yeah. this point, if he debuts, I I don't know whose job he takes. I don't know where he plays. You know, I I don't I just, see it. No, and I, I just like like you had said is like I mean, you're talking first rounders. They're normally pretty decent high picks and they're just, they just haven't really hit on, on anything. And um, man, when you're a team like the pirates and you're always going to have financial constraints, it just can't be, it just cannot be that. You'd like to think that they hit on one every three years or so. 
you know, at least because right. it's not as though being a Pirates fan, boy, we have a bird's eye view. We're constantly bringing in other teams' first round picks that bombed out. You know, we're, we're picking them up on the waiver wire or we're trading for them or we're picking them up in a roll five or, you know, we do that all the time. So when you get when you get a player like that, it obviously makes you think, well, this happens. So we're not alone that, that not everybody is successful in their in their picks. But you know, when you go stretches of a decade and you maybe pluck one or two, that's not good enough. I don't care where you're picking. No, and then when and they're then always that, picking high. Yeah, and then that just starts to sound like dumb luck at that point. I yeah, mean, like you yeah. know, if it, so, um, and even then they don't turn into superstars. That's the thing, you know. Like, right, right, and and maybe that's just the thing with Kevin Newman is, is as, as we look at it in its totality, it's it's maybe far less about that player and just more speaks to in general about they've got to get better in, in, in that, in that regard. Hopefully they have here in the last couple ones. We'll find out hopefully soon. Right. So, Hey, let's take a quick break. Come back. Let's talk about another departure and then we'll talk about an arrival. Welcome back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Jim and Gary with you, and I've put my glasses on because I felt like Jim outclassed me in the first segment. I really did, and it was time for me to wear some glasses too. Plus, I didn't want anybody making fun of him calling him four eyes because we're both that way. We're both wearing glasses. We're getting older. It happens. It, it um, does. It does happen. Let me say this too. Like um, this is my first debut with these these bad boys on, and analytics told me I look thirty four percent smarter. Now, whether that's actually true or not, Gary, I have no idea. I'll just have to, you know. Well, since our audio audience is way bigger than our video audience, <laughs> um, it's only going to affect about like ten percent. So <laughs> that's true. I, that's true. I didn't factor in that. So now it's I'm one percent right. smarter. So you basically just shot your Wobicon right. Damn the floor. Damn it. Damn it. Yeah. It's it's awful. <laughs> so let's move on to another move because the pirates kind of surprised me by getting somebody for another guy. They ended up trading Hoy Park after they designated him for assignment to the Boston Red Sox for left-handed pitcher, which should be a just you know, there should be angels singing as soon as you hear <laughs> left-handed pitcher. Um, this is a kid, though. Uh, Inmer Lobo. I think he's 18 years old. I'd have to check. Yeah, he's a, he's a pup. Yeah, he's a kid. This ain't a guy that's going to come help right away. But, you know, this is your classic lottery ticket. To get that even for Hoy Park, shocking to me. Um, but Boston liked him enough that they wanted to trade for him and not let him hit the waiver wire. So, okay. All right. Um, I'm not sure I understand it or see what they have planned for him, but we'll see. I mean, that's not a great ballpark to be a left-handed hitter. You know, if he were to actually make the big club. Yeah. But the way I look at a Hoy park is like maybe on a good team where they just need some versatility and a guy who doesn't embarrass himself in the field. 
maybe maybe that's serviceable. I don't know. Um, it's a, like I will say, it surprised me that they were able to get anything for him. But maybe that's how a team like the Red Sox views him. Yeah, I don't have much to say about the move um, except for just overall comment between Hoy Park and Kevin Newman. What you've seen already here is they've started to move out some of that congestion um, in the middle infield because despite all the places they tried to play Hoy Park, let's be honest, he was a middle infielder (laughs) for this baseball team. And and they didn't didn't think that that he had a future here. And I agree with them. So to get anything for him is great. Um, I have no problem with taking a swing on him um, with the initial trade. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with with Diego Castillo. That could still be a successful move. Well, that's the thing. Like just to recap, is it was uh, Castillo and um, Hoy Park that we got. And we shipped uh, Clay Holmes, who, uh, boy, did he have a a wild year. Um, The funny thing is, before the season, we had Fort on here, uh, Fort McHenry, and he said his uh, player that he thought would explode in 2022 was was Clay Holmes. Was Holmes, yeah. And I agreed because I've always liked his stuff a lot. I I really did like him as a pitcher. Um, he was despised by this fan base, just despised by this fan base. And then as soon as he gets traded to the Yankees, everybody acted like Diego Castillo and Hoy Park were steals. Yeah. Right. And, and then all of a sudden here we are kind of probably wishing we had clay Holmes back and, and never had the experiment to begin with, but Hey, you got to try to, to get, so, I mean, I well, don't have a problem with it again. And, and and what I think people, too, is like, look, I'm not defending it. I mean, Clay Holmes, uh, you know, I mean, he, he was unhittable there for a while for the Yankees. Like, sure, it was cra- yeah. crazy. But, like, sometimes you can't just automatically assume that had he never left the Pirates that he'd have that same type of breakout. Like He started well, it here. Yeah. So, you know, um, that's too – that's simplifying baseball too much for me. I mean, who knows what they might have tried with him to maybe. Uh, uh, he literally m- tried and credits uh, Marin for the changes that helped him and started yeah. doing it here. In fact, it was that LA series where he was really just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were like, oh my God. They saw him and they traded for him. Yep. And again, I don't. I don't blame the Pirates for making the move. I mean, you move a reliever if you can move a reliever, and you think you're getting some some help. And they certainly needed stop gaps. Middle infield that we do have coming wasn't coming yet, so nope. I didn't mind it at all. Um, I still think there's a shot they get something out of Castillo. He is something, Gary. Like Gary, I just like he Diego Castillo is one of those guys where I literally have no idea what to predict moving forward. He just forward. hit like two home runs in winter ball the other day. I know. I, I know. I know. Venezuela. So, like, so yeah, you know, he's facing lesser pitching most likely down there, but like still nothing, nothing would surprise me with him. Like, I don't think you're, well, let me say this. Like, I don't think you're going to see an all-star out of him, but I'm saying like, he's somebody that I'm really interested to see in spring training 
and see if it looks any different. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I mean, I looked at, I watched the videos of his home runs, and first thing I thought was, I almost texted you actually. Um, first thing I thought was another different swing. I mean, I haven't like, seen them, so it, oh my god, it was just a completely another different swing. And like, maybe he's like batting stance guy on uh, <laughs> social media. He's like, just he makes the rounds of like imitating everybody. He might be now. The one thing I will say is. I don't mind him changing his swing, but if he finds one that works, I hope he sticks with it. Please, God, stick with it on you know, some level. Yeah. yeah. So let's see. I'm, and I also still don't know where he fits necessarily on the team. So we'll see what, what they do um, right. moving forward. But it's interesting to have conversations like that as opposed to like, um, which bum is going to fill this hole. We are starting to get a little bit of a better picture here. Yeah. And, and part of that story is, uh, Lewin Diaz, who was claimed from the Miami Marlins. There were some people that were a little excited about him. We talked about this a little bit last week. Um, some people were pretty excited about him, the power potential. Never, ever done anything in the majors. Um, not really. Um, he's hit some home runs, but he's struck out a ton. And a ton. And plays great defense. I think the Pirates would ideally love to have him... Um, clear waivers and and stick like in AAA so they have him as a backup you know um, they had to waive him of course because they signed Carlos Santana so we're going to talk about the first base position as a whole now um, we glazed right over Santana last week but adding him in the corresponding move is Lewin Diaz gets TFA'd from the Pirates now if you sneak him through and you manage to keep him in AAA, that's probably a, a really good thing. It adds to your depth there. It gives you a little bit more competition. Somebody that's got a little bit of major league baseball experience is just sitting there a level below. Instead of forcing Malcolm Nunez or Mason Martin to be ready, and I know everybody thinks Endy could just hop over there and be you know, Mark Grace, but I mean, like <laughs> a little bit of a waste anyway for, for Andy, I, I guess I'm, I think I'm going to try to shy away from the whole waste conversations about positions, because I think uh, when you're developing a team like this, somebody's going to have to play first and whoever you put there has probably got a cannon for an arm. If you put Henry Davis there, he's got a cannon for an arm. If you put him in right field, okay, yay, you're using it, right? But, like, yeah. every, nobody wants to move him to first base. That might make the most sense as far as well, his part fielding of, prowess, you know? Part of my waste comment is, is when you've just gone out and signed Choi and Santana, at least in the sh very short term, you know, you're, 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 you're hoping that that's addressed. So, yeah, at least that's, defense. That's your you hope. Know. That's your hope. And, and I think, you know, with the Choi surgery – that he had there's a chance he won't be ready for spring training so maybe they're kind of hedging their bet a little bit either way you go ahead and make this transaction where you bring in carlos santana you drop Luan diaz i'm sure they hope they sneak him through if they don't no harm no foul really they traded pretty much a nobody for him i mean it doesn't matter very much i, I think 
I think in all sincerity, first base seems done. I seem to think I'm okay with where they're at at that position. I like Choi. We were already fairly happy with that as addressing the position. To bring in Carlos Santana, well, man, that's nice to me. I don't have to feel like you're going to shove Miguel Andujar over there. Yeah, hopefully that takes that out of the equation because, again, just talking about like this assumption that you can just kind of throw anybody over there and it'll it'll work out. Well, I think we just saw that that maybe isn't the case, you know, right. for the whole year. Um, um, Santana, you know, I've gone back and forth with him a little bit. Um, I, I don't have an issue with it. I do know that uh, his last two or three years are, have not been as productive as his majority of his career. He's he's definitely not a spring chicken. He he will be thirty seven in April. Yep. Um, but you know, like the things that I did look at were things like you know how's he how's he hitting lefties and things of that nature because I think it would be nice to see him in there getting some some good right handed at bats against lefties. He's still productive against those types of uh, in those scenarios. I would be careful about overexposing him at this point um, and playing him an absolute ton. And that's my hope maybe with Choi and Santana is that they can kind of pick their spots and help them be a little bit more successful rather than just asking them each to log 550 plate appearances. I just, I don't think that's, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, Less is more in my, is kind of how I see both of them in a way. Yeah. I mean, they're your classic stop gaps. They are. They're here. Um, they're here to bridge the gap until you have a prospect that you're ready to put over there. Um, and that could be anybody I'm not rolling out Malcolm Nunez. I'm not rolling out Mason Martin, I'm not ruling out any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't see how people are making the, the connection that signing these guys because they're older is, is, a, is a bad move. Because their age really doesn't matter if you're only trying to get one year out of them. We don't care that, that Carlos Santana is going to be almost 40. We don't care. No, the difference would be if you signed them for three years and – 27 yeah, million, yeah, yeah. then you'd be like well wait a second that that's a little concerning for a team that doesn't throw money around i don't want them throwing money around like that on a guy like that for that long well there's that and there's also let's say you signed a guy at 37 and then you're talking about his potential to do something no <laughs> he ain't gonna learn nothing new right now Anyways, what I was saying is if you're trying to have a 37-year-old come in and learn something new or do something that he's never done, you're making a mistake. But if you're bringing in a guy that you just basically want him to try to do what he did last year, just pop 15 home runs or whatever and hit 200-something somewhere in your lineup, play decent defense if he's asked to, hey – that's all I'm looking for. Cover first base with real first baseman and get me some major league baseball production. 
Yeah, I mean, if you total in what they spent on both of them um, for that position, that's actually way more than I thought they would spend there. Yeah, they've more than doubled year. what they spent last year. Yeah, so, so um, they we'll invested in it. Yeah, right. Now, on the other hand, nobody should be pretending that Carlos Santana coming in here and G Man Choi does anything to like really further the proceedings. This doesn't turn the pirates into a, you know, a competitor or anything. What it does is shore up a position that was a problem last year. And it makes that's an understatement. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes the rest of the prospects and the first and second year players that are all over this team have a little confidence that that one position is taken care of. Shows the players that the team is investing a little bit of money from outside the organization to patch a hole. That's really good for players like Brian Reynolds, who I know want to see that sort of thing. You know, um, if you're really trying to capitalize on this core you've developed, you have to support them. I'm starting to feel like that's what they want to do, Jim, this year. Well, I, I mean, I, I think I think it's to me it's it's just obvious that they're at least trying to avoid the the absolute drudgery and getting your ass kicked to a hundred losses this year, um, which we've watched for a couple years now. Um, now, how much that improves the wins and losses, I. I'm not sure, Gary, but it's at least a step in the right direction of saying um, we're not going to go and do what we did, at least at that specific position last year. We're just not going to do that. I mean, I think they've kind of got themselves boxed into a corner in many ways. Um, First, GMs hate being wrong, and they certainly don't say things flippantly. When you say you want to solve a position, you're going to have to do something. So we knew first base was going to get addressed, right? We knew it just from saying it like that. I didn't think he was going to go this overboard. You know, he brought in three different players for that position now. Um, but whatever, that's what solve meant to him. And, and I think they did. I think I'm going to give them credit where it's due. I think they addressed this position in a healthy way that doesn't block any prospects and makes the position competent this year. Good. It was, it was an interesting reaction though, when they signed him, um, at least from what I saw on social media as to, as to how many people uh, kind of mocked it. And um, look, I know he didn't have a great year last year, but, uh, and you know, a lot of people go and look straight at the average. I just, we got to start getting away from that a little bit as much as I don't want to just toss average in the trash can. But um, I don't know. It was an interesting reaction. I thought they, I thought a lot of people still were pretty hard on them. I'm sure they were. Uh, I, I saw some of it too. I just, I guess, man, like I, I just don't care to fight those battles anymore. I mean, maybe I've done this too long. Um, I don't feel like educating you on OPS. If you don't know what OPS is, <laughs> uh, tough. Yeah. 
If you don't know why OPS matters more than batting average, sorry. I, I mean, we've tried to explain that on this show before. We've, I've written it before. I've, at some point, you know, Webster's quit rewriting. You know, like <laughs> right. it's, it's out there if you want to see it. Um, I don't, again, perspective is everything. If this was a team that I felt had all the pieces and they were barreling towards a playoff spot this year and they had a hole at first base and you came back and told me that they brought in G-Man Choi and Carlos Santana, I would probably be pretty upset because that's not the type of players that are going to get your team over that hump and, and into the promised land that you think you're on the cusp of getting to. But at this stage where I'm just trying to support my core a little bit, I'm trying to creep this team closer to 500. I'm trying to make them more competitive, competent, professional, give the fans a little something um, that most nights they're going to look at the lineup and not be embarrassed. That's what I think they've done here with this one position. I, I was just going to say what it really comes down to is they've bought themselves a year at the position to see what, what transpires in the minors, whether there's going to be an answer yeah. there or not. Well, here's it's the thing. If nothing, a year. if nothing transpires, let's say Nunez doesn't take a step forward. Let's say Mason Martin, um, the strikeouts just aren't going to fade. Um, you know, Aaron Shackelford is 27 years old next year, and and they're finally ready to give up. Um, they're either going to decide, okay, we have to embrace it. Henry Davis is going to be our first baseman, or Andy Rodriguez is going to be our first baseman, or whatever. Nick Gonzalez is going to be our first baseman. Um, whatever they decide they're going to do there with the system, or... They're going to have to go out and address it more long-term. And the next one they do next year, it won't be a one-year signing. They're going to have to do a two- or three-year real free agent signing for first base, which, trust me, they don't want to do. So my guess is they'll move somebody over there if one of the normal prospects that we think are supposed to be able to play there can't do it. Yeah, This is the year to find out. And, and in the uh, meantime, you got some veterans there to help provide a little bit of leadership, play some good ball, you know? Yeah, I, I think um, it's it's really one of the bigger uh, question marks going forward with a team that does still have a lot of question marks. But it's going to be very interesting to see how that shakes out with, um, like you mentioned, Nunez. I think a lot of people overrate Nunez, but that's <laughs> also – Pirates Twitter sometimes. Too. I mean, you think? I mean, I got done writing like multiple times. I didn't think he should be protected for roll five. I'm not the slightest bit concerned he's going to get selected. Right. Believe me, I was in some dogfights over. It. Yeah, I just, I just don't see it still to this day. Um, it is what it is. Um, you know, for all we know, Blake Sable could wind up being the first baseman. We don't know what they're going to do. There is the point. Somebody will emerge this year, or they won't. And if they don't then they got to go out and do something similar, but better next year. That's well, all. Yeah. And here's the other thing is like a lot of people approach like, especially like first round draft picks, second round draft picks, whatever 
highly touted guys where if you have to move them to a position like first base, like that somehow that has been a failing of the draft pick. See, but and- that gets back to even what you said earlier where you go, oh, would that be a waste? Like, I thought you were basically saying it was a waste if you had to stick Andy Rodriguez there. And that's no. what I was pushing back on a little bit because I don't think that it's a waste to move a good athlete to first base if you just don't have anywhere else for him to play and you need the bat in the lineup. You know. Well, yeah. It, well, what I was really trying to say is like when you get when you look at guys like a waste is when they just bought them out and you don't get out of anything out of them. It's still a. I mean, it's still a win at least offensively from a production standpoint. If as long as they make it somewhere. Is, is what I really meant in, in that regard about how you look at it. Right. Some people freak out about O'Neill Cruz even into that. And I'm, we're not going down that road. I'm just saying like a waste, a true, true waste is like them never being a first round caliber impact type guy. We've seen yeah. enough of that. I don't consider that to be the waste if Henry Davis had to go do that. I agree. So my so. point is they'll they'll come up with something from from that position for that position. That's not what this signing's about. I just think like you need to look at it with a healthy lens. That, that's all. We have other positions though. We've heard Ben Charrington talking about starting pitching. He's floated out there the willingness to sign somebody for multiple years. Um they seem to be involved in a lot of rumors. I'm not wild about a Kyle Gibson, but I've heard it. Um, I've heard Manaya. I like him. But, you know, he had a down the year last year, too. Quintana looks to me like he's going to price himself out of town based on what Matt Boyd got $10 million today to go back to Detroit. Um, and I, I didn't have him getting more than, I think, five. <laughs> that was, so I had mentioned that Gary I was like I'm just afraid we're going to get to this point and then all of a sudden teams are going to start spending and well that's that's kind of what I'm getting at here is they they very clearly have to get one of these guys they have to um, where you go with an all right handed lineup uh, rotation we've done that before seen that before um, I think it's a mistake Especially if you want to try to get to 500, I'd spend a little bit of money here. I think they can afford that. I think Ben Charrington's expressed that he wants to do that. Um, at least you would have the fallback of maybe if you can't get it in the rotation, then at least get a couple in your bullpen. Yeah, a couple if, in your bullpen if, is problematic, though, because they just don't have any room. Um, right now, I think it's uh, it's 21 of their 40-man roster or pitchers. That seems excessive, but they've already got a lot of starters. It feels to me, Jim, like we're going to we're gonna start seeing a little bit of wheeling and dealing. I think we're going to have to see them start trading from their 40-man to recoup guys that are either going to be major league ready. Um, they might have to go that route to get this lefty starter. Because when you look at that free agent board, that scared me, that Matt Boyd signing. $10 is a lot sure. for him. Um, in fact, well, if I, I heard that the Pirates were signing him for $10 million, you know how most people would jump to like, oh, well, that's just an overpay. The Pirates had to overpay to get him, right? I would have considered that like an overpay plus. 
That's a lot of money for Matt Boyd. Yeah. It's indicative of where I think maybe things are headed to. I don't know if you saw um, what Tyone's projected to get. I mean, I think they were talking five years, 50-ish, 50 million-ish dollars for him. You know, like... Um, That's not that bad, 10 million a year for It's him. not, but, you know, I mean, it, there's obviously the concerns, I mean, with his health. Sure. So, like, I mean... Um, and he faded as the season went on last year. So, like, I mean, look, starting pitching is always a premium. And some teams are willing to take some chances, you know. I know some guy uh, some guy on Facebook today told me that he won't be happy unless the Pirates sign two uh, starting pitchers who can eat 200 innings apiece. And I said – there was only eight pitchers in Major League Baseball in 2022 that pitched 200 innings. None of them are free agents. This is a Wendy's, sir. There's literally <laughs> nothing else to say because the, the expectations people have, they're just not real. Right. Pitchers and- are not what pitchers used to be. Look at the market for Jacob deGrom. It's real weird. Yeah, it's real weird. People don't trust him to stay healthy. Well, whoever whoever that guy was on Facebook, I mean, then he should be excited about Kyle Gibson at least. If there's one thing that guy did, is that I saw he had, um, he's totaled uh, fourteen hundred and fifty three innings pitched since twenty fourteen, the fifth highest total during that span. Yeah. So he he he's an innings eater, if nothing else. So and they but, may but, end up having to go that route. They may end up having to get a right-hander and just call it a day. Either way, they're going to get a starting pitcher. And I think I think that's been really clear. That's a directive that, that Ben Charrington wants to make sure he follows up on. We know they're going to get a catcher. Uh, even if by some I'm miracle, you know, the, the ghost of Christmas past has touched Bob Nutting and and they're not going to care about Super 2 with Endy and just let him start out of spring. You're still not going to want to go into the season with nothing backing him up but Ali Sanchez. No. So you're going to have to go and get a real veteran catcher. I think we I'm all know su- the name. I just I don't even care who it is anymore. It's just yeah. you got to go get one. I'm almost surprised that it, 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 it has – this sounds ridiculous in one sense because it's so early, but it seems – it. To me, it seems obvious what they'll do. Maybe they won't do that. And um, I just thought maybe it would have already been taken care of. I don't know. Maybe he's not as, he's not healthy. They must have said that a hundred times. They wanted to make sure he was healthy first. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we're talking about Roberto Perez, just in yes. case you just, you know, um, are just having your Thanksgiving or something. <laughs> or just woke up from your turkey coma. Jim, let's take another quick break. Let's come back. Let's talk about what this team does next. I think we're starting to identify the holes, and I think the plan's pretty clear moving forward here, man. Welcome back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. 
Jim and Gary with you. We're going to pick up where we left off, talk a little bit about where we think the Pirates are going to go this year, uh, the rest of the offseason. Um, Jim, I want to be real careful about this because I don't think um, everything I see them getting has to come from free agency. In fact, I kind of don't think it will. Um it could be trades, you know. I, I think it's I think that's probably the more likely method for, for a few of these spots. Like starting pitcher, the more I look at that free agent board, the more I think somebody's gonna step up and pay Quintana fifteen a year. You know, and the more I think is gonna get something like you mentioned for Ty on five twenty five or something, you know. Um maybe that's something the pirates should do. I'm not 100% against it. I think they could afford it. I think it's a smart investment knowing they don't have any lefties coming until Solomedo. So, I mean, like... And that's a ways. Yeah. So, um, maybe it's something that, you know, as an organization, they have to do. Um, you know, not unlike Frankie. You know, that you know you had to pay for, for that, uh, to have Liriano on the team and, and have that lefty. And, you know, back in the 90s, you had to go get Zane Smith and... You know, maybe it's something they have to do. We, we shouldn't roll that out, but a trade might be the way to get that. Either way, the point is we think they're going to get it. They have to get a starter. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing is like I think everybody's very much in the in the mindset of the free agent route, and now they have enough to where like I mean we we even talked about this last year that eventually that some somehow you would um if you start feeling you have a little bit of excess right. in the minors to be able to turn that into something with some other teams and be able to make some trades and uh, I thought maybe we were on the cusp of something like that when there was this weird pause with <laughs> what the Pirates were doing with uh, making a, a roster announcement. Yeah, it turns out it was just the Pirates being the Pirates. but Yeah, you know, like I do think that maybe there might have been something they were trying to get done and then it just never materialized because uh, yeah, it was such an easy thing to hit hit send on, on your phone, Pirates, that it's just Diaz. I'd but have to agree with you, man. And with the winter meetings coming up here, you have to feel like something's going to happen. You know, winter meetings are, are next week and yeah. the Rule 5 draft is next week. We should mention if the Pirates want to play in the Rule 5 draft at all, they have to make a trade. You can't just DFA somebody off the 40-man to play in that. Right. They have to make a trade if they want to participate. Picking third, I personally think they'd be stupid not to participate. Um, Just from the list of names we went over not two weeks ago on this show, one of those players would be worth a swing. I fully expect them to. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I, expect, I expect them, them to. to too, but you got to make a trade to do it. So, yeah. you know, you, you hope he's in the shop. Um, I think you know we'll see something get done somewhere, and they'll trade from their glut. I mean, you, they've got a ton of outfielders, which sounds so weird to say. Two years ago, we certainly weren't saying that. But you, you know, you've got guys like Cannon Smith and Jigba. We've barely seen. You could see him getting moved. Swaggerty could get moved. Um, you know, they could move somebody like Miguel Andujar if they really wanted to. There's a lot of options they have. Diego Castillo. Um, 
you, you could even see like somebody like Leovar Pagaro. I know people I, don't want to hear things like that, but he is the name that was popping into my head as you say that. We're like, if you're trying to really get something done and get something of significance back, yeah, those sometimes are the things you have to do. So it's not just a wing and a prayer back. Especially if you want something good back. You know, That's what like, I'm saying, yeah. We're talking about like going out and courting a controllable pitcher. You know, you're going to have to give something up. Because people will, there will be some people that will lose their minds over that if that happened with Figueroa. Well, but think I, about what you what you want as a pirate, as a, if you're the pirates and you're going out to get a controllable pitcher. Let's keep that frame in mind. They did this already with Zach Thompson. But Zach Thompson was a guy who emerged late in his career, had one year of, of a little bit of success with the Marlins, wasn't really proven yet, still kind of a project, not really sure if he's bullpen or starter. Um, Marlins were willing to give him away. They gave him away for what, what amounted to relatively little in Jacob Stallings, right? Yeah. Well, to us, that was a, a painful blow. We're giving away a, a, a catcher. We really needed him. <laughs> clearly after going through last Why? year. Why? What happened? Yeah. Uh. But, you know, you got three players for him and, you know, there's a chance that somebody's going to pan out from that group. And I don't, I, again, I, I look back on it. I don't hate that trade, but this is what you're asking another team to do. And you want somebody better than Zach Thompson. If you're really looking for an answer, Right. So look, turn it around and look from the Pirates' perspective. Pretend somebody's coming and trying to get your controllable pitcher. Okay? Let's yeah, say who somebody, do you want? Who do you want? Yeah. Because you, you want somebody in the mold of Mitch Keller. Let's say somebody comes courting Mitch Keller, which they did last year, by the way. Um, come courting Mitch Keller and you want somebody like that. What are you going to want back? As a Pirates fan, what would you expect? You'd want one or two of their top prospects, you're giving away three years of control of, of a pretty good pitcher, right? Yeah. You, you, you got it. You've got to be able to look at it from both angles. I think yep. you got which, it. You got which it. Fans are loath to do, but <laughs> it's not like we're going, yeah, get rid of that. Pagaro. He stinks. It, it's, you it's a risk. Get, he, he's a top it's, 10 prospect. You gotta, you gotta move on. Um, you may have to move a Termar Johnson. Number two in our system, barely played here. You may have to take just the raw potential of Termar Johnson and trade him for a controllable, good pitcher. And I, I mean, like, that's the kind of price you're going to pay. And that's why you develop a system. Well, I was just going to say, like, other t- fans of teams live in this area a lot where yeah. you're saying goodbye to prospects that you've developed. So, you know, I just think it's really hard for pirate fans to wrap their mind about it, around it because we've been told that that's the only way that it's ever going to. And the last time that they tried it, it was Archer <laughs> and it didn't work. Yeah. And, and they also, you know, gave away too many prospects, but it can work. Um, in fact, it's the way a team like this legitimately has to operate. But you can't you can't just cobble together three blah 
guys and and, and yeah. how you can't be like take Diego Castillo, yes, uh, Lewin Diaz, and um, yes, you know who else? Don't, Holderman. Don't, <laughs> don't make don't make one of your awful fantasy football trades, right? You know, like we you can't do that. You may have to part with a guy like David Bednar, which would kill a lot of people here. Sure, but if you can deal a closer for a starter that you control for two three years. You do it every time. You just do it every time. Mm-hmm. I don't know how else to put that. Um, I, there's there's some things that they could do that would shock us here. I don't see something where major league talent is necessarily going out the door, but I do see 40-man talent going out the door. I think they have to clear some room. I think this kills two birds with one stone potentially. No, I think they're going to improve this roster. I really do. Well, I think you mentioned in a piece about three or four guys, you know, that yeah. you, you're still seeing. And I think that that's reasonable. And I mean, maybe on the lesser end, it's two or three, but I definitely see at least a couple more moves being made to fortify the major league roster. In my opinion, to me, catcher is non-negotiable. Yeah, I mean, and starting pitcher to me is non-negotiable. Yeah, that's why I said a couple too, at least, and then we'll see what transpires. Right. What you'd hate to see is them try to do something like package somebody like Bryce Wilson. You know, nobody. (laughs) if, If Bryce Wilson was somebody else's answer, he'd be yours. He's controllable. You've got him forever. You know what I mean? Like he's still somehow only 16 years old after being yeah, right, in the league right, right. for five years. Right. So, I mean, like you, you just took that swing. Don't expect somebody else to, I mean, you're going to dump him at this point or move him to the bullpen. This is like, th- this isn't a guy who's going to go through another team jump where somebody thinks he's immediately in their rotation. That's just not going to happen. No. He might resurrect it and turn it around. He might be a real late bloomer. It really could happen. But, like, you know, you, you, you're not going to trade him for somebody else's starter. You have to think about that, too. If a team has a need at starter where they want that as a return, they're not going to give you one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, it's just it goes back to the whole thing. Like, you can't just offer up slop and hope to get something decent out of it. Right. No matter so, how many pieces of slop you try to add in there. So let's take a little bit of a leap of faith. I know that's weird. You know, cause we tend to be cynical on this show hmm. a little bit. Um, but let's take a leap of faith. Let's say they address the catcher position competently. Um, whatever that means to you. Uh, if that's Roberto Perez and Andy, if that's Roberto Perez and Ollie Sanchez at the beginning of the season, whatever. Um, Maybe it's two catchers. I don't care. Whatever you think they've done to address it. They get a starting pitcher. It's a qualified starting pitcher. Somebody that you really feel pretty good about being a three or four in your rotation. You know, they maybe get them for a year or two. Probably pretty happy there. You know, you got some decent players coming up. First base, we already talked about being addressed. I doubt they do anything in the outfield, Jim. I really do. I just think they have too many unless they make some trades. I just think they have too many. I think the trade route would have to kind of play a part there. Um, 
I'd like, I, I probably would still like to see it. You know, I don't, I don't know how much I want to see Diego Castillo playing right field it, 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 again, if those types of things come about, but oh, I think you're going to see Andujar. Oh yeah, I know, but I don't, well, I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like getting when I talk back about into- Castillo not having a role on this team, I really mean it. I don't know where he fits. Um, you know, I really don't. I just <laughs> don't know what to expect out of Andujar, to be honest. Like, I, you know, um, I, I expect him know. to make enough money that they want to keep him on the on the major league club at least to begin. And uh, I think that 2018 hangs out there just just sexy enough that the Pirates feel like there's a good shot they've got like themselves a free lightning oh. in a bottle can. Oh so. God, we've seen them have plenty of patience to certainly find out one way or the other that's for sure right so regardless let's just say that they they kind of competently fill all those holes that we identified i think we agree on what the holes are i think we pretty much agree on they'll be addressed for the most part it seems like that's what charrington's trying to get done okay is 500 doable because any progress that this fan base is going to buy to me, it's got to be 500 or at least fighting for it. That's a 19 game improvement. That's a big jump. That's a big jump. We just watched Baltimore do something very similar last year. Um, I personally remember a ton of people claiming that it was a huge win when that happened. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know uh, <laughs> if they would consider it a huge win if the Pirates pulled that off. What do you think? Is it possible? Or is it just completely ridiculous to even think about? I personally think eh, I'm th- I'm a thinking. full year of O'Neill Cruz, a full year of Keller pitching like a top of the rotation guy, Rwanzi here all year. Yeah, Brian Reynolds, you know kind of not being relied on to be the force they got some bats to kind of help um i like the bullpen if it's healthy um even right now yeah i i don't know i think it could happen man i get i mean if a lot of things go right which is kind of what you were just saying about things uh, the the things you were listing i think it's too big um too big of a jump but i think you can get 10 to 15 games better uh, you know like i don't know if you can get if you got man, 15 games 20. better than your four games under 500 so you're in the dog fight yeah and i think that's kind of i don't think it has to be exactly you know 81 and 81 but I think like if you're in the ballpark somewhere, I'm pretty happy with the season. That's kind of what I hope they come through with. You really should get a lot, a lot of growth from a lot of players. You really should this year. If not, they've got big, big issues they've got to iron out quickly. And I'm talking coaching staff wholesale change after this year. Um, if you want to talk about actual pressure on Derek Shelton, it comes this year. Because whether you believe it or not, they're filling holes to the degree that 
they will expect him to do something with it now. This is yeah, it's going to be yeah. it's it's going to be now more of like uh okay you had you've had your build an excuse. Yeah. Uh but now we need to start seeing uh, actual development and winning at the major league level not yeah. just Now you don't have to trot Kai Tom out there cuz I said so. Now you have you know your choice at first base. You've got you know O'Neill Cruz, if you batted him first and it was a mistake all year, well, that's on you. You know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. there's a lot of a, a lot of things that I think are going to start to fall downhill here. We're going to find out really quickly what Derek Shelton really is this year. I think we can finally answer that question. Um, yeah, and you mentioned Cruz, and like again, I hate to put this on him, but I do look at it like if he explodes onto the scene this year, then I'll start maybe buying into that a little bit more. I think a lot will come with that. And I, I hate to put that on him. for me. I you don't think, have to necessarily put numbers to it, but in baseball, it's hard not to. Yeah. I, I think if, I think if he just, if he's, Granted, I don't know where he's going to bat in the lineup, but let's just say like that he still can produce runs. I mean, like if he if he hits forty home runs and is still stealing bases, like I could and driving in runs because he seems to have at least uh, an affinity of to do that, if nothing else. But like I'm talking, if he just explodes, like that talent is just man, you just can't take your eyes off of it and it all comes together i think a lot of things fall along with that and then i'm willing to, to but i hate i hate putting that on him because that's probably not super fair but he's got that ability I, I mean first of all don't you think that he puts it on himself i mean i think he's the type that he wants to be the man here so i i don't doubt that i have no problem you know, putting those kind of expectations on him. Cause I know he wants them now. 40 is probably more than I would, you know, consider a breakout. I, I, I think he's got a good shot to crack 30. Um, and that's even if he doesn't correct the strikeout problem, just from what we saw last year, I, I, I just think 30 yeah. in the bag. Uh, if he stays healthy, I'd like to see him clean up the fielding, but I I'll be blunt. I don't really care as long as the bat plays. I, I don't care if he winds up in DH. I just want him to hit. Um, he, uh, he, you're right. He's transformative. Really, he tells That's the story. Where I should have used, yeah. He tells the story um, almost to the degree that um, Mitch Keller and Rwanzi do. Um, they both need to be good if if this is going to even be a conversation. Uh, Mitch Keller can't regress, and Rowanzi can't have a sophomore slump. And the sophomore slump, uh, it's plausible. People started to pick up his stuff towards the end of the season. You saw it too. And and he might have been tired. Uh, he was working a lot later into the season, a lot more innings than he tends to, to throw uh, over his career. So I, I kind of don't want to read too much into it. But towards the end of the season, let's just say the slider wasn't fooling everyone anymore. It was more of a grind for him. 
he was still doing it. Sure. At least he was still finding a way. So that no, was that, promising. That's impressive. That shows me that he's got that pitcher in him. Um, but I'm just saying second year is tricky for people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you're putting a lot of apples into that cart. You want both of those guys to be good. And if they're not, the whole thing probably falls on its face, to be honest. But I do like what's coming too. I really do. I think they have some good pitching coming. I'd be I'd be shocked if Mike Burroughs doesn't make it next year, and I'd be equally shocked if Luis Ortiz doesn't make his way back up next year. Oviedo, yeah. we haven't even talked about. I, I I do think they've got the makings of a decent borderline five hundred team, and I think that the management, if they finish this off and they do the first base treatment to the other holes, then yeah, there's no excuse for anybody anymore. We can fairly critique this team next year without all the caveats we've done before. I totally agree with that part. I do think next year you can just kind of look at it at face value and say, yes, no, good enough, not good enough. And what do we need to do in those spots? There's no more. You don't have to wait as as long as you have had to in the past. Yeah. I mean, next week we'll probably be talking about winter meetings. I would imagine we'll be talking about some moves and things like that. Um, well, so. we'll get a, we'll get a better idea of the market. We're going to you're going to start your start. You know, whether it's good or bad, we'll at least know where things stand. A little nervous about that. So, yeah. Hey, but uh, good stuff, Jim. I really enjoyed talking about some of this stuff. I'm kind of glad we we waited a week and let it let it digest, almost like Thanksgiving dinner, because I, I feel like I needed to think about some of this stuff a little bit more before I really kind of got in to the shop and talked about it. Because there is a lot of angles to everything that happens now. That's what happens when the forty man gets filled with players that for the most part you think could contribute yeah and then you got we've we you you've got that aspect of it and then things we didn't even mention with like the choice and the santanas of the world let's see how that shift plays out next year i mean so like there's some real intrigue i mean and maybe that's for more baseball nerdy people but to me there's a lot of intrigue in that stuff and and um you know, uh, clearly the pirates are trying at least to tap into that aspect of it. Yeah. So Either way, the conversations have changed this year. It's not the same as it was. It's not. It's no longer which one of these uh, prospects are we going to force up here. You know, probably a little bit before they should be, um, and and force them into a role and. How many of them do we have to back our play by and and see if we can find something? Now it's going to be a little bit more about most of us are major league competent. We're ready to go. We can put a decent team out there. I'm excited. I'm excited to change the conversations a little bit this year. And, you know, it's hard to compare the Pirates and Steelers for obvious reasons, but, like, I had more of an interest in Steelers preseason this year. And, you know, you know us, when we're, or me, you know me, I'm a huge fan of all this, but, like, 
there was more intrigue. There was more youth. There was yeah, more. Well, what are you going to learn when Ben is throwing spirals and spring tra- and, and, and spring? And yeah, yeah. So like, this is the same thing with the pirates. Is is like, there's a little more intrigue about w- what some of these young guys are going to be able to do. And I do very much look at it in the same in that regard, at least. Right. Yeah. Hey, so this will be fun. So, you know, eyes open, ears open. Pay attention this week. Come back next week and uh, see if we've got a little bit of news to banter about. I think yeah, uh, good. it's fair to say, if not, I might be a little disappointed. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, man. Until next week. Yeah.